So as we're getting into the holidays, I, you know, I've been really looking for stories of people making other people's lives better. Because, you know, the last few days, I don't know if it's like with the weather getting shit. And I don't know if the seasonal effective, you know, seasonal stuff is is kicking in or whatever. But I've been really down and kind of blah the last few days. Like, yeah. I haven't been laughing. And I normally laugh a lot. And the, the most I've managed in the last few days is like, at best, a rueful snort. But, just a very derisive sound. Yeah, but um, I was in, I was driving earlier today, about eleven o'clock, and I'm just stopped at a traffic light on the corner of Negley and Center Avenue, mm-hmm. and I'm. It was one of those moments where like couldn't really go anywhere, and I sat through several red lights because somebody was turning left. But you know, since yeah, we've all been stuck at that red light. Yeah, nobody, nobody was letting them go. And I watched a scene play out that, that really brought my heart the, the, the joy it needed, um, especially this time of the season. There was, a, there was a, a fella sitting on the corner, and he was you know, clearly down on his luck. And uh, you know, people were just walking by him. And, and then all of a sudden, the guy stood up, and, and it caught my eye. The, the motion caught my eye. Mm-hmm. And then I looked on. This fella... Dropped his pants, squatted, and right in the middle of the sidewalk, just <laughs> took an enormous shit. <laughs> just, I mean, just pile of brown zeppelins just <laughs> dropping onto the side, right in the middle of the sidewalk too. And you can see people trying to walk around him. And I look at my the rearview thing mirror. is like you're in the part of town where like. People will try to politely ignore it. Yeah, like they'll just exactly pretend that they don't do. see it. And this, I was already just roaring with laughter because this was just so funny to me. And I look in my rearview mirror and I just see the the girl behind me in, in her car just going like... <gasps> I know you can't see my face because I try to do mime in an audio medium like an idiot, but she's just shocked and then the moment that really sold it was watching this guy oh god we all know what's happening no 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 just walk past just walk around it acting like he doesn't see it and I see him get about five feet past the homeless man who is still just (laughs) giving evidence of what is clearly not a great diet (laughs) and he makes it about five feet and he's just going and then I just see him go <laughs> and then he just starts, just, just starts full on gagging, and that I lost it. I was so upset when the light turned green because I think I was laughing a little too hard to safely drive. And now that we're all in the holiday spirit, everybody, welcome oh, to Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades. Season, tis this season. I'm Rob North, and I am your co-host, Chris Miller. <laughs> and wow. Today's subject. Today, well, I don't even know what the hell we're going to talk about now. Today's. <laughs> What is this episode? Today's, totally, oh, I know subject, what it is. I know what it is. subject of discussion is going to be <laughs> looking at pirate ships. Now, what Did we're you just say at, pirate ships? No, pirate ships. Oh, sorry. With a P. Stop it. Sorry. Is What we're going to be looking at specifically is the, the fact versus the fiction. Their, their portrayal in, in film and TV and media and, and, and books and everything. And about how most of that was... Uh, utter shit. It was complete nonsense. Yeah, the golden age of sail sucked. Like, I mean, like, if you were on a boat, like... Oh, oh, yeah, it wasn't any like, fun. It sucked. Like, I, it was it was the golden age not because, like, 
it was like a, a really like a gleeful time, like like the golden age of Hollywood, whenever everybody was just like all these brassy, sassy blondes and and all these guys yeah. with pencil mustaches and everything was great. Everybody's drinking martinis and going to parties. Yeah, the golden age of sail, see. like everybody got syphilis and yellow fever. Yeah, things you're not going <laughs> to see on an early 18th century sailing vessel. Cary Grant with a cigarette holder. <laughs> so it's this is going to be more of an open discussion. Uh, a couple topics to cover, but it's not really going to be a narrative like most of our episodes. So this is just going to be a bunch of back and forth. And I guess the the best place to start is going to be with you know the ships themselves. What what we're used to seeing in movies and in in television, with a couple exceptions, um, but even some of the really good, some of the better portrayals of, of pirates like uh, Black Sails, which is a good show. It's still fiction. Is this idea of these large ships with multiple multiple decks of cannons just pulling up next to each other and slugging it out with broadsides. And that's pretty much all Black Sails is. Yeah. Which, I get it. Like, I know why Hollywood does I understand does the this. appeal. Right. One, it's, you can, it's easy to film on a big mm-hmm. deck. Two, a big boat is just sexier. Like, it is. It just, it just looks way cooler. It is. It's more ominous. There's more of a threat. And, and just the pulling up next to each other and just exchanging broadsides. It's, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much, with a few exceptions, not the case at all. You know, if you're looking at yeah. these large multiple decks, you know, three-masted sailing ships, these large ships with large crews, you didn't see that a lot amongst pirates. Mm-hmm. It's, for the most part, pirate ships were very small. They were light. They were fairly lightly armed, although some of them were heavily armed for their size. Which, we'll talk We'll talk more yeah. about the, yeah, we're going to get outliers. We'll yeah. we'll cover those. Yeah, and then we're going to get to the armament in a bit here. But the for the most part, pirate vessels were, and I, and I use this analogy a lot, but I think it holds true. Your average pirate vessel was about the size of a bus. Yeah, if that. And and there were certain types of ships that they they preferred, um, particularly getting into the golden age of piracy, like ships called sloops. Which, if you're not aware of what a sloop is. A sloop is a one-masted vessel. It's got what's called a fore-and-aft rig, where the sails are parallel or arranged sort of parallel to the bow-to-stern line of the ship instead of perpendicular. And they were very small. They were great at sailing into the wind. They were great for use in shallower waters. Yeah, was, that was a big part of it, is that the draft was very mm-hmm. shallow. Like, a lot of the, the, the coasts uh, and, and, and around the Outer Banks... Mm-hmm. Like we've all seen the tchotchke shops and shit. Oh, yeah. It's because your sloop could navigate that. Yeah. Whereas in in an episode that we just we just covered the last time uh, in our Redux of Ocracoke Island, um, the British couldn't pursue Blackbeard with their frigates because they just couldn't fit. They couldn't. They couldn't get the frigates to where Blackbeard was. Right. So it was a little easier for him to hide. Yeah. And then they they ran right into the teeth of of his ship, which mm-hmm. was almost very unfortunate for the British. It yeah. turned out it was unfortunate for Blackbeard, but. That's another episode which you should go check out. Yeah, when your when your ship is small and light, it only draws about six feet of water, meaning that from the point where, from the bottom of the ship to where the water line is, is only about six feet compared to the, your average naval frigate of the time, which was about fifteen to eighteen feet of draft. Yeah, it, it gives you so many more places to hide. Mm-hmm. It gives you so many more places to lay an ambush because you can hide in these coves. You it can lets hide you get into a lot points. more harbors. Yes, lets you get into a lot more harbors, too. Mm-hmm. Both. So you can trade all your ill-gotten goods. Yeah, both settled and non-settled. And sloops were fast. 
The whole point, you can't be a successful pirate if you can't catch your prey. If you can't gain on them, if you can't outsail them and catch up to them, you're no good. So you have ships like sloops, you have small ships called uh, brigs and brigantines, which are have a more traditional sail pattern, but they're still smaller, more lightly armed vessels. And a lot of a lot of pirates didn't even start with proper ships. Yep. Including some of the most famous. They started by using small boats. Okay. A lot of boats, guys used canoes. Canoes. Um, larger versions of canoes with, with, with masts and sails called piraguas. And they would basically wait for a ship to pull in towards land to either beach or to take shelter in a cove. And they would launch an ambush. And that's how a lot of these guys got started. Some of the most famous pirates of all, you know, Charles Vane, um, Ned Lowe. They, they got started by launching these attacks on a small boats. And, and it kind of robbed their way yeah. into, a, into a better boat. Yeah, and if your average large sailing vessel, your average large armed sailing vessel, was about 300 to 350 tons burthen, your average pirate sailing vessel is probably closer to 50. Yeah. If that, a lot of them were quite small, somewhere in the range of twenty to thirty. If you want to get an idea of the size of your average pirate vessel, if you've ever been down to um, Jamestown in Virginia, and you have the three ships there: the Discovery, the Godspeed, and the Susan Constant. The smallest of the ships, the Discovery, is this tiny little what's called a pinnace, which is a basically it's a tender for the other two ships. That ship is probably closest in size, even though it's an older, early seventeenth century style. Closer in size to your average pirate vessel. And so compared to, you know, these large ships that you see in movies and TV, they're much smaller, they're much faster, they rely on speed, they rely on surprise. Now there are, of course, exceptions to this. There are some pirates who manage to capture large, large vessels, the powerful sailing vessels that could have gone toe-to-toe with quite a, quite a few naval warships, that were operating especially in the Caribbean and along the eastern seaboard. First first example among them being the Queen Anne's Revenge. Mm-hmm. Which wasn't wasn't a vessel that was designed for combat. It was mm-hmm. one that that was retrofitted it for was combat. A slave ship. And the reason why it was so it was so yeah. desirable is it was a slave ship. And slave ships were notable for, for two two reasons. One, you could put a lot of cargo in them. Mm-hmm. Now slave ships carried human cargo. Yes. Um and second was they were very fast. Slave ships were notoriously fast. Speed was profit. Yeah, um, Blackbeard had one, and I mean he added twenty six guns to his to bring it up to forty. Yeah, that's a lot of yeah. guns. Like, it was about it was about three hundred tons. It had about forty guns on it. Crew of about two hundred to two hundred fifty. I mean, for for while the Queen Anne's Revenge which was operating, which was a, a actually, if you've listened to our previous episodes about Blackbeard. Quite a short time. Mm-hmm. Only about, what, nine months? Yeah, either seven or nine months, depending yeah. on which story you want to go with. It, well, some give you months, some give you seasons. Yeah. During during that time, it was probably the biggest, baddest pirate ship, not just in the Caribbean and along the eastern seaboard, but probably the entire western hemisphere. It was in the top five like largest and most heavily armed vessels in the hemisphere, like including warships. Yeah, if you don't count like the home fleets of these, mm. it was going to be larger than just about any other naval vessel that was going to be patrolling. Yeah. 
It, it could probably go toe to toe with a Royal Navy frigate, something like the Lime or the Pearl. These these thirty two gun. Yeah, they would have had their hands full. Yeah, they would have had their hands full because one, they even the frigates, the military vessels are very fast. Mm-hmm. They're designed for speed, but they weren't quite as fast as a slave ship. Yeah, like Blackbeard, Blackbeard and Sam Bellamy were two guys that had very very large, very heavily armed slave ships. Yeah. They well, yeah, Sam, Sam Bellamy, for those of you who don't know, um, he captured a ship, what was it called, the Weta? The Weta. Weta, yeah, it was called the Weta, and he put about, what, 26 or 28 guns that on that That was a 28-gun, yeah. uh, 300-ton slave ship. It had 146 men yeah. on the crew. Now, like we said, this is an outlier, and that that's not even the biggest one. I, I think Kid, I think, had the biggest one, which is kind of cheating. Because mm, Kid was because, more of a privateer. Because it was... It was a, uh, it was a vessel of war that was commissioned by by noblemen, mm-hmm. and then he was like, "Maybe we should just go take other yeah. stuff." Well, well, then there's we'll also do a William Kidd episode. Yeah. I'm on the the side of history where William Kidd was still a privateer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was hanged as a pirate and left a rot mm-hmm. on yeah. the Thames. But I I'm still a a kid was a privateer. <laughs> a kid wasn't a pirate guy. And then of course there is Bart Roberts, which his, with his final ship, the Royal Fortune, which. I think was, was she was a French brig. She had twenty six guns, but I it's, yeah. But it was huge. It, it was, was a big. It was like four hundred and thirty tons, and the guns on it were heavy. Mm-hmm. The guns yeah, everybody on it were heavy. everybody had uh, eight pounders were the most common, mm-hmm. but he had a full battery of twelve pounders. Yeah, a full battery. He had a lot of firepower mm-hmm. within, within that that rank of cannons. Back to what I was I was going with. Um, these slave ships were clocked at 13 knots. Mm-hmm. Today, a, a modern cargo vessel is 18 knots. Thereabouts, yeah. That's not that much different for 300 <laughs> for, years of progress. For being powered by the wind? Yeah. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Pretty good. But, so yes, for, for in comparison, your average pirate vessel depicted in everything from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies to, you know, the... Um, What's called the Walrus in Black Sails? Yes. To oh, what was that god awful movie with Frank Langella and oh Cutthroat Island? Cutthroat Island. Thank you. Cut. Th- oh man, we're that gonna, was we're a gonna... documentary, and the events happened in real time. So <laughs> what we're so those ships are about anywhere from about two hundred to four hundred tons. I can't stop thinking about Frank Langella and Cutthroat Island. They have bad dog. They have about that sword was really yeah. cool though. The sword like the sawback that was yeah. like the only good part. It, that and that nobody walked anywhere in that movie. They got around like exclusively by like, cutting the rope and just riding, riding it, it up. <laughs> we I think as, as some bonus content, we might do a review of Cutthroat Island at some point. I do not own Cutthroat Island. I don't think I can bring myself to own Cutthroat Island. I'm gonna figure out a way to get it. We're probably gonna have our friend Kyle join us too because he's a he's a movie Kyle, guy. Yeah, and... Kyle's a film buff and a and a fellow pirate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to so, be streaming somewhere. Yeah. So, so to, to, to review, your average vessel de- depicted in that way compared to things like the Queen Anne's Revenge and the Royal Fortune, 200 to 400 tons. You have about anywhere from about two to, you know, three and a half, four dozen cannon. You're, compared to your average pirate vessel, which was anywhere from 20 to 80 to 100 tons, normally, if they had cannons, we're talking four to... 10, maybe 12. I'm quickly Googling a uh, another one. I remember it being like comically overpowered. It was well, Henry Avery. Uh, the Henry Fancy. Avery. 46 guns. Yes. Well, what the Fancy was, the Fancy, because he captured that in a mutiny. 
Right. It and was that, a privateer. And that was a that was an Indiaman. Yeah. That was an Indiaman. It, it was that, this large vessel. I mean, the, the Fancy was very big. I think it was more than 400 tons. So the Fancy, this is Henry Avery capturing the thing in, I think, 1695, takes it over through a mutiny, and it's... What an Indiaman is meant to do is meant to transport a large cargo from the outlying colonies, specifically in Asia, back to the home, back to the home country, and it's meant to be able to defend itself without a warship escort. Sort of the way that the Spanish treasure fleets did with their heavily armed galleons. It was sort of in that same vein. And, you know, Henry Avery then uses the fancy to capture the Mughal Indian treasure ship, the, the Ganji Sawaj. But yeah, this thing was this thing was big and heavily. Sixty-two armed. cannons and five hundred armed guards. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, let's compare that to your regular pirate vessel, your normal pirate vessel. Which what was what was Jack Rackham riding with? Four guns. Uh, the four guns, I think. Yeah, six. That's how he started. I think maybe six. Maybe. I think he, uh, yeah, I think he had uh, six guns on a thirty-five ton sloop. Yeah. So that's that's way more typical for a pirate vessel. Yep. And, and a privateer vessel. So. And he wasn't going up against uh, these these giant Karaks or these big Mughal no. treasure ships. He was raiding which small average, which, which, which was what your average pirate would do. They would yeah. not chase a heavily armed target. Yes, they're going to chase the they're they're going after the soft targets. They're going after the slow fat merchant ships or even smaller merchant ships that can't defend themselves. Now we're talking about the count of guns. Let's get to cannons. Because yeah, when we say when we say cannons, it, we're we're painting with a pretty pretty broad brush. We are because there's there's not one particular kind of cannon. It's not like no everybody just made one thing and that's what it, no no cannons are no, were normally rated with the weight of the the round shot they fired. Round shot being the solid cast iron ball. So. And you know, we talk about, and, and then, of course, factored in, you have things like swivel guns, which are, are light cannons that normally don't fire round shot. They'll fire shrapnel that are mounted on... big on, mounted shotgun. Yeah, yeah, mounted on the rail of the ship. Uh, even, light, even light boats would normally have a, at least a couple swivel guns. And they were also, um, you could move them around, which mm-hmm. was pretty... You'd put a bunch of mounts in. You'd have ten mounts per side... For four cannons, or yeah, for four, for four swivel, swivel guns. guns. So if you were getting boarded on your starboard side, mm-hmm. you'd just move them all where you needed them yeah. to. So it was basically, a, it was an artillery piece that you could move. It, was, it wasn't it was quite enough to be a cannon, but it was enough where uh, no no human being could hold and fire this thing. Mm-hmm. It would, it would, you'd be in bad shape trying to hold this you thing. You would break your arm. Yeah. Easily. So what we also are, are, are dealing with is, you know, we're talking about the number of cannons is the size. Because in in most media portrayals, the cannons you see on a pirate ship are large cannons. They are powerful cannons. Big carriage. Medium born. to heavy artillery that you would see on board a lot of ships, but normally we're talking like warships, especially later in the later in the especially the eighteenth and early nineteenth century. You know, it's perfectly fine to imagine these massive 12 to 24 pounder, 32 pounder cannons on board, you know, Nelson's fleet at Trafalgar 
but you which they they use which they used, but you wouldn't see these on board pirate vessels. And one reason why is not just because I mean these. The gun in the carriage weighs 2,500 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's also because they cost a shitload of money. They're, they're expensive. They're hard to acquire. They require a heavy weight of shot mm-hmm. and a lot of powder per charge. Now, what the another problem you have is when the gun is big, it generates a lot of force. If we look at Newton's third law of thermodynamics, every reaction requires an equal and opposite reaction. It requires a lot of explosive force to get a cast iron ball to travel quickly enough to do the kind of damage that you would expect a cannon to do. Now, let's say you have a, a three-pounder a three pounder cannon compared to a six-pounder cannon. The weight of the shot is twice as much, but to generate the necessary force to propel that six-pounder shot at the same velocity, it requires four times as much force. It's, it's an exponential growth, so... Let's compare a three pounder to a twelve pounder. It's four, so that's four times the weight of shot, but it requires sixteen times the amount of force to propel that, and the the force has to go somewhere. And when you have a sh- and and in order to support heavy guns, a ship has to be strong enough to absorb the force of those heavy guns firing. So if you have a small sloop and you have a large cannon on it, an eight pounder, you know, twelve pounder, nine pounder, whatever it may be. And those things fire, they're going to break the timbers of the ship apart. Yeah, you had to reinforce the deck. <clears throat> things. Yeah, you're going to shake your ship to pieces. Mm-hmm. Even even light cannons, small cannons, two to three, four pounders, could generate a lot of force. A two-pound carriage gun weighs like 750 pounds. Thereabouts, yeah. That is a, a remarkable amount of weight. Yeah, well, because these barrels are made of solid cast iron. Some, and the, the barrels are still very, of, very yeah. thick. Some of them are still made of bronze, but a lot of them are made of cast iron and thick barrels. So you have because they, they have to withstand the explosive force of the powder going off. But and it's and they're, when we say eight pounder, it's a, it's a deceptively small ball. An eight pounder is about it's a it's about the size of an orange. Yeah, because you think. Like bigger than a, a than a softball. It's it's roughly baseball size, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit bigger. Yeah, I think like a large orange. Yeah, but you think about this massive projectile. I mean, they cause a tremendous amount of damage, but mm-hmm. it's not what you think. If iron's very very heavy, it's very dense. Yeah, it's very dense, and it's it's that mass that can cause most of the damage. And so your average pirate vessel, the British Navy, you just get the ball really hot and set the other ship on fire. Oh yeah, that's some nefarious shit. That's pretty clever too. <laughs> That's uh, that's nasty. Mm-hmm. So, uh, using again the Queen Anne's Revenge as an example, the Queen Anne's Revenge has forty guns on it, the largest of which was an eight pounder, and this is a large ship that can support the fi- the the force of of a heavy broadside. The largest gun they found was an eight pounder to put on this thing. You had some six pounders, you had four pounders, three pounders, you had swivel guns. Your average pirate vessel, the small brigantine, the small sloop. If it had cannons at all, which a lot of them didn't, mm-hmm. even the full-size ships, the, the sloops, the brigantines, some of them were so small and so light they couldn't support anything larger than a swivel gun. So you have to rely on swivel guns or small arms. If they had cannons at all, your average gun would be a three-pounder or a four-pounder. Now, a three-pounder fires a ball about the size of an apricot. I mean, it's yeah. not big at all. It's not big at all. So, but still, it against your average small trading vessel, it has the potential to do a lot of damage. 
And this is another thing we see in media, too, is that we never really see cannons fire anything but round shot. You know, round shot was the standard. It's what you're going to use to engage at, engage at a distance. If you're just firing at the hull of the ship, it'll put holes right through the, right through the rails, right through the hull of the ship, and create a lot of splinters that fly around and act like shrapnel. But you also had things like chain shot, which would be two cannonballs held together by an iron chain that were great for tearing apart the rigging of a ship. Yeah, they'd punch through sails and they'd cut ropes. Mm-hmm. The ship in the golden age of sail, a ship without a ship without sails is in deep shit. Yep, because you have no other method of propulsion aside from oars, mm-hmm. aside from sweeps. But you also had things like bar shot, which was basically if you took a round shot, cut it in half, and then put an iron bar between the two, it looks like a small small barbell. As it fires, it spins, and you aim that at the masts. You aim that at the masts and the spars. And if you're fire, if you're firing at an enemy sloop that only has one mast, and you take that mast down, that enemy sloop is dead in the water. It's not getting away from you. It is at your mercy. And the nice thing about that is, if you if you are a pirate and want cargo from a vessel, you don't necessarily want to be pumping round shot through the sides of the ship. It's a little rough on the trophy. Mm-hmm. You if you can disable it, yeah. Now you've now you've also got yourself a prize. Yeah, it's it's like using an anti tank gun to hunt deer. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. And then of course you have grape shot, and I love grape shot. Mm-hmm. And grape shot, it's is a six some bitch. It came up with grape yeah. shot. It's uh, basically a canister of smaller cannonballs. It acts like a gigantic shotgun. It's you know if you've ever seen a buckshot shotgun round, it's essentially the same thing. You have a, a wooden plug at each end, and in between is a cluster of, you know, anywhere from 9 to 27 small cannonballs. And these are used in an anti-personnel role. You fire them across the deck, or if you can get a sweep, uh, if you can get what's called a raking broadside, which we brought up in the Battle of Ocracoke episode. Yeah, where you kind of shoot down the length. You shoot down the length of the enemy vessel. The projectiles travel from bow to stern, or if you could fire through the rear cabin windows, mm-hmm. or what have you. You can do tremendous damage to the enemy personnel. Yeah, that's how you solve a problem. And it's ugly. Mm -hmm. It's really ugly. And what a lot of... And this was a popular naval tactic at the time was to double shot your first broadside. Yep. So you fire at the enemy vessel. What you have is you have a larger charge of powder, a little bit larger than normal. In In front, you have a round shot. And then behind it, you have grape shot. So, you fire both of them, the round shot travels through the deck, busts open part of the rails and and the sides of the ship, and the grape shot clears the deck. Now, this is also, we're talking about tactics, this is assuming you're firing your cannons at all. Yeah, if you're a pirate, the last thing you really want to do... Is fire the cannons. Is fire your cannons. Yeah, you don't want to damage the enemy vessel too much for several reasons. Number one... You know, it, it, it's if you have to, if you damage the enemy vessel and then you take the enemy vessel and you then take it into your possession, you're likely to damage the cargo that's valuable to you, kill a lot of the enemy personnel that may become an asset to you, either through skill sets or information or joining the crew. So that's that's how a lot of pirates became pirates. That's how a lot of pirates became pirates. Their vessel was captured by other pirates. Yep. Um, and not just ships' crews, but slaves. Uh, whenever Blackbeard split, mm-hmm. he took a hundred men, 
60 of them were slaves. 60 of them were former slaves. Yep. Which, if you're a pirate and and you're looking to grow a crew, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. It is not a bad idea. And if you are a slave chained in the in the belly of a Dutch slave ship. Or a French slave ship or whatever. A French it slave may ship, be. like it makes a lot of sense to not be a slave anymore. It, it is an improvement on the current situation, I can imagine. <sighs> Man. Yeah. So you our, have, our episode on the slave trade is going to be a rough one. Yeah, it's gonna, yeah. There, and and we're going be, to do one. We will. We will let everybody know ahead yeah. of time. But there's, there's going to be a little be, content advisory before we do that. Absolutely, that one will be difficult. But it does bear mention because like people need to know this. Yeah. shit. Well, it was integral to life in in this part of the world. It really was. History. It really was. So you have these broadside battles, cannons firing, almost never happened. If you fired a cannon, it was normally as a warning shot. To get the enemy to strike their colors. To get them to surrender. And you just board the ship and nobody has to die. Because and then, because if you're getting into a battle involving cannon fire, you're damaging the enemy vessel, which may be an asset to you. If it's a fast ship, or if it's a ship that can carry a lot of cargo, or if you can mount a decent amount of guns on it, then you get to increase the power of your fleet for free, essentially. And if you don't have to repair the ship to do it, so much the better. And if you don't have to repair the ship, you can get out of you can get out of the scene quicker. And and you risk and you lower the risk of being come upon by naval forces or, or coast guard or heavily armed more heavily armed merchant vessels. And you get out of there far more quickly. Or in the case of a guy like Blackbeard, you go from rolling up in your Honda Accord to driving off in a brand new Humvee. Mm-hmm. Like, that is an easy way to upgrade. Yeah. But also, if you have a larger vessel, and we've talked about this, you become a higher profile target. Mm-hmm. You're harder to hide. You have less places to go. You're far more recognizable. And when you're when you when you're rocking up with a big ship, your threat factor starts popping up on the radar of the major authorities, and they're gonna start sending military forces after you. Big time. Yeah, it's, it's hard to hide a ship. It, it, the ship of that size, it's difficult to maneuver a ship of that size. It just it makes it's what happened to Mark Roberts off of off of Africa in 1722 mm-hmm. on the Royal Fortune. So the average tactic would be to set an ambush, really, and you know, or to it was it was it was the idea of of almost like blitzkrieg. It's this fast attack. Yeah, you. It's the it's the property of the violence of action. It's a fast attack. It's shocking. You catch them off guard. You catch everybody on the back foot. And when you do that, they're far less likely to put up resistance. This idea of of boarding a, a ship and slaughtering the crew tends not to do you any favors if you're a pirate, for the reasons we've mentioned before. It's it, it, a captured crew could be an asset to you. Yep. Or you know, or if you're capturing an enemy ship, you're going to need to crew it. Just and, look at, at how many noteworthy pirates in history were former sailors themselves, former, mm-hmm. former Navy men themselves. Yeah. Look at how many of these guys mutinied. Yeah. Just life in the Royal Navy. Shit. Yeah. Everybody's shit. Everybody from Henry Avery to Bar Roberts. It's so. It doesn't pay to jump on board the ship and, and slaughter everybody. Normally, it's more like your average bank robbery. Mm hmm. 
than anything else. If I had to compare it to a modern crime, it's it's rolling up, waving the guns around, saying, everybody get on the ground, everybody be cool. We want your stuff. We don't want your lives. Yeah. And, and these guys were, the, the, these targets, it's not like they were exclusively going after military vessels. And these, no. these aren't privateers. They're going after merchants. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same thing whenever you see somebody robbing a bank or somebody <laughs> robbing a store. Like, it ain't your money, man. Yeah. It ain't your money. And everybody was kind of like, yeah, you know okay. what? Yeah, you're, you're right. Cool. And most of these merchant sailors weren't paid enough to give a shit. No, absolutely not. They're going, the food is crap. The pay is crap. The life is crap. The discipline is harsh. I don't like the officers. Everyone has syphilis. And I don't like the people, and I don't like the rich merchants back in Britain that I'm working for. Or Spain, or France, or wherever it may be. Which is why, like... They're not inclined to defend your cargo of tobacco that they gain no benefit from right. with their lives. And they're, they're not making money off the tobacco. No. They're just getting paid to be there. Yeah. Which is why it's really easy for pirates to be like, hey, you know what? That tobacco could be You, want, you want your share of the value? Come on. <laughs> What so, about you, sideburns? You want some milk? Yeah. Come on, I was like a thinly veiled, like Billy Madison reference. Somebody out there got it. No so, milk will ever be out and, of milk. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you never know when you're going to find a ship's carpenter, a surgeon, um, a navigator, a sailmaker that you might need, or even a cabin boy. Beat you to it again. Gotcha. Man, you know what? I had one, too. I had a Cabin Boy reference loaded. Whenever we were like rattling off famous ships, I was going to drop the filthy whore. Oh, God. <laughs> I was ready, too. Oh. I, I'm happy you resisted. God, I hate those fancy lads. <laughs> so, we're talking about crews. This is sort of one area where Hollywood gets it right. So... In that most of the vessels they portray have large crews. And most pirate vessels would set sail with larger crews relative to the size of the vessel. So your average, you know, let's call it, let's say you've got a 50-ton merchant sloop. Normally the crew of a vessel that size, we're talking size of a school bus, rolling through the ocean. Maybe it has a couple light cannons, maybe it doesn't. Normally crewed by anywhere from about eight to a dozen men, sometimes as few as six. On a pirate vessel, maybe you've got 30, 35. Now, it might make things a little cramped and uncomfortable. But it also serves a, a good purpose. Yeah. Like you, you're going to have a hard time. The pirates won through strength of numbers. Yes. More than anything else. It was... They didn't want to... Like we said before, the pirates don't want to fight. They want your stuff. Yeah. And if there's 12 of you, and there's 40 of them... Those odds are not in your favor. Now that fights oh, that that is definitely a a, a good way to kind of change minds before mm-hmm. you're even there. That deterrent is real, and it serves another purpose. If you capture another vessel and you want to add to your flotilla, then you have enough men to crew multiple vessels. Exactly. Or if you know you capture a vessel and you're not going to hang on to it, but you got to get it back to a, a cove or an inlet or a port. You can tow another boat, but it only does so much. It only does so and, much. And you, you have typically to only a prize do crew that. on board yeah. to keep control of it, sail it to yeah. where you need to sail it to. You typically only towed a boat whenever it was in really bad shape. When it was broken. Whenever it, it really wasn't yeah. safe to have other guys on there. And if they were on there, it didn't matter because everything was broken. Yeah. So that is the one, that's the one area where, where Hollywood normally gets it right. With the portrayal of pirate vessels and, and having these large crews. And, you know, you talk about, let's look at, once again, at the Queen Anne's Revenge. It had 
250, maybe as many as 300 men on it by the time of the, the Charleston blockade. On a on a 300-ton warship in the British Navy, so you have 300 men on the on on the pirate vessel. You normally you'd have maybe 180 to 200 on a comparable naval vessel. So that's one area where they get it right. Now, one final area I, I want us to cover is the fact that it's always portrayed as the lone pirate vessel. Yeah, but that's also part of like the Hollywood allure. Mm-hmm. Like that's another one that I get. Yeah, I under uh, I understand I understand the appeal of all of these portraits. Uh, yeah, we're not here to to like throw Hollywood under the bus here. We know stylistically why they're, why they're doing this. We mm-hmm. watch a lot of movies. We get yeah. it. Um, we got it. It was pirate. It was pirate flicks that got us into this in the first place. Yeah, pretty much. And so yeah, we understand the appeal, but a lot of pirates either develop their own flotillas in the case of like in the case of Blackbeard blockading Charleston he had not only the Queen Anne's Revenge but he had three other ships with him and a lot of pirates would also operate in groups pirate captains would operate in concert either close to or they would sail to a particular location and then spread out and say we'll meet back here on this date or we'll meet this place on this date go out find what you can find and then everybody piles in the prize money at the end Yep. So that kind of goes against the normal the normal portrayal of yeah. and and Black Sails actually breaks this where spoiler alert at the end of the first season where they go after these the Spanish treasure galleon where it is two pirate ships operating the, in concert. Oh, I remember the the Urca de Lima. The Urca de Lima. And the the best part is like if you guys have Well, no, not... it wasn't it wasn't the Urca de Lima that they were going after. They went going after what they thought was the Urca de Lima and ended up being that guard across the ship the line. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, Toby Stevens, <laughs> every time he says Urca, like, he has, like, a really gravelly voice. It's, the Urca. Urca. The Urca. And I laugh super hard every yeah. time I hear that. It's a good show, though. <laughs> it's it? so good. It's an entertaining show. If you haven't seen it, we, I, I, I definitely recommend it. I think you do, too. And, and like, Charles Vane, like, he hasn't had a carb since like 1680 got me a little uncomfortable watching it <laughs> like like that guy has maybe one percent body fat like yeah. this dude like way too disturbing jacked. in the one scene where he hangs dong too oh yeah he hangs dong there's there's some full frontal and, in that one and what a dong it is that it's, he hangs it's magnificent we're not going to go into too much detail <laughs> there, but we'll leave you to decide for yourself so yeah that's Pirates would often operate in groups or build their own little private fleets. Like all these guys knew each other. Mm-hmm. Like the Republic of Nassau, it was the Flying Gang. Yeah, it was Charles Vane, Jack Rackham, uh, Anne Bonny, Blackbeard, Benjamin Hornigold at the yeah. start. It, it initially Hornigold, but all these guys knew each other. They all worked together. They were essentially co-workers. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, it was a conglomeration. Mm-hmm. It was a business move as much as it was tactical. Yep. Which is an, a weird thing about piracy is that these guys were like, the tactics that they employed and the the level of diplomacy that they employed. It's but, unbelievably advanced it, for a bunch yeah, of drunkards. The tactics are interesting because it's as close as I can discover to late 17th century, early 18th century special operations. Yeah, especially in the early days of a lot of their careers where they're using small boats. It's you know. And uh, yeah, it's it's like it's like these special operations raids. They are they are special forces. They just happen to be only working for themselves. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, they're they're on their targets very quickly. Yeah. Um, they try to promote this idea of like something very brutal. Even though very seldom was was there any combat, and if there there was, it was usually a warning shot, and that mm-hmm. was typically enough to change minds. And then they oh, got the hell out of there. Yeah. But and that was another thing about pirates. As much as they did avoid combat, these guys knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Like if if you because, decide you're going to cross swords with them, you're yeah. in deep shit. Well, especially in the golden ages, most of them were had spent anywhere from a, a year or two to a decade as privateers. Yeah, chasing French and Spanish ships. Soldiers of fortune. Soldiers guys of fortune. That, guys that are out here doing this shit for fun. <laughs> little, my, little input you could there for probably me. hear that. My dog is making big fat guy noises. <laughs> like, you, you know, like whenever, whenever somebody's so fat, their bees sound weird. <laughs> They're sitting there drinking beer, talking about pirates. I don't much care for this episode. <laughs> when is it going to be over so I can go outside and poop? Again, at the 40-minute mark, the episode has gone totally off the rails. <laughs> it's like, it's like th- somebody throws Thanks to switch. a little input from Jack, our canine outreach specialist. <laughs> Jack the Golden Retriever, ladies and gentlemen. So... I'll put up that, that picture I made of Jack when I was drinking. With Jack Beard. <laughs> I, I have seen it. You will you follow will us enjoy on Instagram. It, so, yeah, so it, it's, you know, there are a couple things that you get right with, you know, that, that liberal Hollywood elite that's out of touch with the common man with their, their Teslas and their lattes and. Jason you know, Bourne's out there shooting machine being, guns, but being unable, hates guns. <laughs> being unable to come unless it's directed in a Paul Thomas Anderson script. So, uh, but you know, there are a couple things they get right, but it's it's also one one thing that's important to remember is even even some somebody like the two of us who you know we 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 learned a lot through our research and and we found out kind of the truth of the matter and it's not nearly as exciting as it is in Hollywood but you've got to still remember to kind of let that go and and enjoy the action. As Edgar Allan Poe once said, we must suspend our disbelief. We must. The suspension of disbelief is Which is why the greatest movie of all time will and always will be Cabin Boy. (sighs) Well, we'll we'll debate that. (laughs) We're going to have our official Cabin Boy debate episode. At, at some point, but for for those of you who we didn't really have an individual source for this episode, but there are there are some books that you can that you can find. Some of these ships still exist; they're in museums. Yeah. Um, we definitely recommend the Weta Museum mm-hmm. in uh, I believe it's what Cape Cod. Is it in Cape Cod? I, it's, I, it's somewhere in Massachusetts. There. That sounds right. I it's somewhere know. in Massachusetts. I feel that's, like I should know. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, you we get a big son of a bitch, dude. Yeah. Good lord. It really was. Uh, there are some other books, too. Uh, one thing that I found that I really enjoy, and you can find these if you go to a lot of hobby shops or uh, bookstores, are the Osprey Publishing books. Um, for it's the most like zoo books for adults. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, and there, I, I have just one in front of me that's called The Pirate Ship 1660 to 1730. And what it's got actually is a lot of period illustrations of, of ships and it kind of goes over the same conversation that we just had about the type of types of ships they use and how they were armed and how they were crewed but it's also got some great reconstructions and color illustrations 
It's got this bitchin' cutaway of the Queen Anne's the Revenge. The Queen Anne's Revenge one's pretty sick. It's got, it's actually got a really, really, um, some fun illustrations of, uh, the battle between the Royal James and the Henry that led mm-hmm. to the, the capture of Steve Bonnet and of the Battle of Ocracoke Inlet. It's, and it's got some other illustrations of ships of the time. I definitely recommend the Osprey Publishing books. They have a, a big series of stuff about pirates and privateers mm-hmm. that you can find if you look. And you, of course, you can find those on Amazon and some of the other um, online retailers. Yeah. Another book that I found to be helpful with a few notes is a book called The Sea Rover's Practice, uh, Pirate Tactics and Techniques, 1630 to 1730, by a fellow named Benerson Little. That's that's an interesting read. That really goes into how pirates operated and how they did their job. So, you know, hopefully this conversation kind of shed a little light on on what things were really like with with the pirate vessels. Um, we're going to do some episodes in the future about life on board these pirate ships. I think that's a bit too much to kind of cover in one episode. Yeah, we'll do to kind combine of like the counterpoint, this. like. Uh... Between pirates and navy, I think it's really the mm-hmm. best way to really, really capture the the allure of the of the you know golden age pirate, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just strictly telling you what life was like. Yeah, like we'll we'll do like kind of little point counterpoint. So yeah, but other than that, you guys would be here for ninety minutes, and yeah. nobody needs that. Keep an ear out for that in uh, future episodes. Uh, we're also going to talk about. Sort of how pirates were recruited, how they built their crews, you know, their backgrounds. We're going to get into that in depth in future episodes as well. So hopefully this shed a little bit of light. Go out there and watch some pirate films. Go out there and watch some pirate films. Catch up on Black Sails. So go out there and watch Black Sails. There's four seasons of it, so you're going to have to binge it, but it's a, it's a damn good show. It really is. It's a it damn really good is. show. Everybody's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I don't hate that there idea. There is an awesome... Awesome portrayal of Blackbeard, probably the best. Ray Stevenson. Ray Stevenson, baby. He shows up. What is? What is he? Titus Polo himself. Say again. Is it season three? Beginning of of season three. He. It's the very beginning of the third season when you meet Blackbeard, and that scene is so fucking cool. Well, technically, (laughs) you meet a a Blackbeard in the first episode of the first season. Long John Silver. I don't want to go into it. But it, it, Black Sails is fun because it combines a lot of historical pirates with a lot of literary figures as well. Yeah, it's, it's essentially characters from Treasure Island. It's a prequel to Treasure Island. It is. It's it's setting up all the relationships between the characters of Treasure Island and a lot of pirates from history. Yeah, and, and it combines actual history and 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 Charles fiction. Fane's penis. Really, <laughs> really, That's really well. Happen. So I recommend that. Um, of course, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies are are fun. You know, some of them are actually pretty territory. good. Yeah, some of them are actually half decent. Yeah. Then there's Cutthroat Island. And Man, then like, there I is really Cabin can't, Boy. I really can't defend Cutthroat Island. Like I want to defend Cutthroat Island so badly. At because, all. Like, I really well, would have Because Frank Langella and I were in the same drama program. And Frank's just, the man, and like the Frank movie is the box man. was really good, but like... Like, it's 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 so much. It's widely regarded like one of the worst movies ever made. And I watch it after a few cocktails or a great big fat bowl. Yeah, it's just I I don't know. Watch it alter your brain chemistry a little bit. I guess so. Same with even, Cabin Boy. Same even, with Cabin like Boy. Like Cabin Boy is kind of you're supposed to. Yeah. Like if you've seen it, like yeah, well, it's Cabin Boy is what Chris be, Elliott had in mind. Yeah. It's 
We yeah, do... I, I, I just know that dead sober, I cannot handle we gotta watching do like Matthew a... Modine try to be a pirate hero. Oh my god, I forgot that it was Modine. Is it's, it Gina Davis? Gina Davis, Matthew yeah. Modine, Frank Langella. Frank Langella, yeah. I mean, like, he's pretty good at it. He's but, okay. Like, but, like, that's it. Like, that's, his, like His talent far outweighs the... They spent the... so much money on that movie. Yeah, they did. It was a flop. First time... <laughs> First time I ever saw it, I watched it on a I watched it on a transatlantic overnight flight. Oh no! And I was half. I would I would have just jumped right out. I would have opened the door and just, <laughs> just hopped out like thirty five thousand feet. <laughs> I was I was I was a teenager at the time, so I was you know I didn't. Then I was half asleep when I watched it. I returned to it in adulthood, and <sighs> I remember watching it when I was young and yeah. on VHS, and I remember thinking. I don't think I like this. Yeah. Well, we're, <laughs> like, we're gonna re- as a kid, I and then I watched it as an adult. I was it. like, I know I don't like this. We're gonna come back to it in in some stuff. I think we're gonna do in the future. We're gonna do a character study just of, of Robin Chris review pirate movies, <laughs> and that's that's gonna be some bonus content that we're gonna have coming up in the new year. We've got to uh, stay tuned going into the new year because I think we're gonna have a couple big announcements. Yeah. But we're we're cooking something up here. Yeah, we're cooking a couple things up. I think you might enjoy. Yes. So yeah, I think that's going to wrap up the conversation today. Of course, you can find us on several major platforms. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Yeah, those rates, uh, those rates and reviews are always good. Uh, we definitely like when you guys subscribe. It helps you keep up uh, with all of our new episodes. Um, it helps us a lot because we get a little more exposure. We can hopefully find a couple new listeners who are going to enjoy this as much as you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you guys post funny reviews, we promise to share them. Indeed. Uh, the funnier the review, the more likely we're going to do it. And of course, uh, if it's a one star review, though, like, come on, don't be a dick about it. Of course, you know, we're going into the holidays. You're going to be around friends and family a lot. Mm-hmm. Tell your friends and family about us. They yeah, they're going to love it. Or maybe you don't like us very much. Tell your friends and family about us because I'm sure there's some people in there that you would quite like to. In, in, inflicts and torture upon. Yeah, that's your passive-aggressive way. If that is your way, that is your way. We cannot fight you. <laughs> of course, not only are we on all of those major platforms, we're also all over social media. Chris, where can they find us? We are carpet-bombing social media. Ooh. So you can start off following us on Twitter at Podcast TRR. Uh, did we ever figure out who TRR Podcast was? Because I was really burned about it. I that. don't know, but I know they have no posts. I know they have no followers, and they are not following anybody. Yeah, that's bullshit. That's total that. bullshit. Got to find that dude. I'm going to follow that dude and just drop, just just absolutely hammer with DMs. I don't uh, know who you are. <laughs> but what we have is a very special set of skills that makes us a nightmare for a Twitter page like you. But uh, since I know everybody has Facebook, and I know everybody hates Facebook now, mm. Facebook is like Facebook is the last bastion of like weird political diatribes. But well, if they, they made me it, they made me take away my Facebook middle name, which was the King and the. And if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you'll get that. Yeah. And and they sent me a message basically saying we don't think the King and the is your actual middle name. No shit, Zuckerberg. They shut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. You no kidding. Couldn't pull one. Over, couldn't pull the wool over your eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They shut down the original Renegades of the Rotunda page forever, which sucked. So then we had to we had to start a new one from scratch. But our page on Facebook is alive and well, and they can find us where Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades. You can also find us on Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades on YouTube. You can find me Rob North and on Instagram at Meatneck. You can find me on Twitter at Meatneck Two. I am getting better at posting on it slowly. 
Bear with me. I'm not a big social media guy. Chris is far more in touch with that, but I am learning. Yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, you can find pictures of me and Jack the Wonder Dog. On uh, We are at Nightlife Commando. And if you want to follow all of my comings and goings and all the pirate news you could ever hope to find retweeted, uh, you can find <laughs> me at PGH Renegades. That's our Renegades of the Rotunda official page. And, of course, you can email us, too, uh, talking about... Certain topics, things you might want to hear, things, uh, suggestions you have, and you might even teach us a thing or two. Maybe join us here in the recording studio, aka Chris's Kitchen, for a little conversation and a beer at trrpod at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. Please, please, please. Uh, this is for you guys more than it is for us. I mean, we do enjoy doing it. Don't get us wrong. But we want we want to hear suggestions. We want to hear feedback. We want you we want you to come out and help us. We want you to come into the kitchen and and just drop some knowledge with us and you get to bring the beer. How great is that? <laughs> and of course we're not limited to pirates. We are a pirate centric pro- uh, podcast. But of course, the whole idea of thieves, rogues and renegades at large is talking about the bad boys of history and girls. And just yeah, let's let's throw that one out. The ladies have been suspicious. They, they just I'm just saying you've been a little on the quiet side. We got some badass chicks out there, and if everybody wants to hear about these chicks, we gotta we gotta get a few ladies to come and help us out. We want to hear about these just hardcore, absolute like bone crushing women of history. And we've got some of those coming up in our next episode. Yes, we do. Next time we are going to be talking about some of the most ferocious. Female gangster figures of New York. Uh, a lot of you have seen the movie Gangs of New York, Martin Scorsese. It kind of touches on that a little bit, but you got to really open up some literature and some old stories to find out quite how deep it goes and quite how nasty some of these women were. And it's a great story and it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to talk about it. So that's going to be it for this week. Uh, sending out some special thanks to our friends, the Bloody Seamen, for the use of their music at the beginning and end of our episode. Check them out on iTunes. And definitely, definitely give them a listen. They're a lot of fun. We are both going to be at Krampusnacht in Market Square on Wednesday, December 5th. It's going to be a great time. Uh, some friends of ours, Slayer, are playing a concert of a little reworking of some of your favorite Christmas tunes. There's going to be lots of dancing and capering and beating of drums. And... There's no scheduled bar crawl uh, this year. St. Nicholas is there. Yeah, St. Nicholas is there. (laughs) Chris is there. Yelling at everybody in German. Yeah. And (laughs) there's no scheduled bar crawl this year, but... Damn it, we're going to make our own. Damn it, we're going to make our own. We're going to nut up and do this. I'm sure there's going to be quite an interesting crowd hitting up quite a few establishments that night. Come and join us. It's going to be a great time. You know, you might have to have a drink or two to keep the cold at bay. I know we are going to be doing that. So... Feel free to come out and join us. And until we see you next time, of course, you know those two lovely words. You pretty people, hold fast.